Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello and welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We're glad to be with you today. And Linda, are you feeling a little sad today because a week from now when we do the next podcast, we're going to be in snowy Utah instead of sunny <laughs> Maui. Yes, it's kind of sad, but kind of glad. Life goes on, but wow, we've had a great time. Sorry, we don't want to rub it in wherever you are, but um, it is a really um, unique opportunity to get away a little bit for an extended period and be able to think and do what you need to do. Think and ride. In fact, I think we ought to, I feel, <laughs> sometimes I wonder if we feel too close to our listeners on Ayers on the Road and talk to them like we've known them all our lives and divulge really personal things that maybe we shouldn't. (laughs) But I I think we ought to tell them what we've been working on while we're here, because one of them ties into what we're going to do the show on today. You have been, boy, you've you've written two books. You better explain. (laughs) Well, sort of. Um, I have decided to gather um, our travels now that we're really kind of not doing that so much COVID put a screeching halt to our speaking and traveling which we've done for so many years and I've decided I've kept a blog that whole time and I couldn't even remember the name of the blog (laughs) last year when I (laughs) what what was that (laughs) and so I found it and I've been pulling out these trips and this these amazing people that we had an opportunity to meet all over the world all religions, all walks of life, but such good people. And um, I've been reading what I wrote, which I totally forgot, which is kind of like writing a book backwards or something. I don't know. It's kind of like reading reading a book by (laughs) another person. (laughs) It kind of is. And speaking of finding your blog stuff, isn't I mean, there's so much stuff out there in cyberspace. I wonder, we've we've written things, and I mean, maybe they're just emails or whatever, but we've written things and forgotten about them, and you wonder – you wonder if someday someone will figure out a way to sort of search the whole cyberspace and find everything you've ever written before. And <laughs> that'd be kind of scary. Yeah. There's no, there are no more secrets. We know that for sure. I know. But uh, another little project that I've been working on, thanks to our daughter-in-law who gave me a little gift for Christmas called Storyworth. And I don't know how many are, I've mentioned this on the you mentioned this last time, but it's really a good thing. But it is uh, th- that she sends me a question every week about my childhood, and I just write a story about it and send it in at the end of the week. It's really fun, but I well, decided... It'll, it'll move beyond your childhood, right? It'll end up being like a pretty much a biography. Well, I, I, we'll see. But it's one, a one-year project and just a one story a week. But I decided I needed to start with my parents and my immediate grandparents and I have realized that I know so little and I've mentioned this before but two of them passed away before I lived but I before I was born but um, it really has been fabulous to go back and, and condense all the stuff that's on family search which is a great resource and just make it into a you know a two or three page story it really has helped me so much and hopefully some children and grandchildren will read it sometime well i love what you're doing honey in fact i i feel a little guilty because i'll i'll go off and play tennis or go surfing or whatever and i'll come back and there you'll be 
Linda's got this little spot on the couch here where she just sits there and she just writes and you lose track of time. I think sometimes oh my gosh, hours like, go by. It's five hours. It's time to eat again. I just, what? It is really amazing. But I, but I want to comment on both of the, I mean, the ancestor thing you're doing is fantastic. And if you listeners, I know a lot of people keep thinking I should write my personal history. I should keep my to get my diaries together i and then they think ah, oh, but no one will care about it no one will ever read it well a people will read it your descendants will read it and b this story worth program is not a bad way to motivate you to just work on it a little every week but i also want to comment on the other thing you, this other book linda's doing is really a record how many pages are you up to now on the on the travel log. Oh well, it's pictures. It's I mean, it's lots just and lots so... and lots of pictures. I, I pulled out about a thousand <laughs> pages, and now I'm trying to organize them. And this was here. This was the South American tour. This was the European tour. This was the uh, Southeast Asia tour. Uh, it really has been incredible to do. But and what, what we're realizing is that if you count all the book tours we went on and all these around the world speaking tours, there, there were years when we were, you know, we were presenting somewhere a hundred times a year. And I just wish I'd kept a better record of it. Thank goodness you did, because there's so many interesting lessons we learned and things to remember and whatnot. And, and, you know, it took COVID to bring that to a screeching halt and allow us the time to sort of look back. And, 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 and now, frankly, we're trying to decide how much of it we want to pick up again. We may not have the opportunity to pick it up at that same level because we don't get the well, same I, no, kind no, of no, no, we're not going to be doing it. But same we got level. an invitation to go to Moscow the other day, which we just out do. of the clear blue. So, and, you know, we may we do you think we'll just be selective. We'll say, well, that's an invitation we <laughs> yeah. better take. Yeah, if only one every six months come in, so, uh, we select that. If Russia hasn't invaded anybody <laughs> by then, we'll just right. go. We might be at war with <laughs> Russia in September. We'll see. We shouldn't be laughing about that, but uh, but I do think um, it's so interesting to. We run into people. We were talking to a woman the other day. Who was saying, you know. I'm just so bored with my life. My kids are raised. I don't have anyone around. I play tennis every day, and but I'm not. I don't really have anything going on in my life, and I don't know what to do. I've got so much time on my hands. I don't. And and, and one of the thoughts I had, which I didn't mention to her, but which we probably should, is, you know, fill up some of that time trying to to write your your history and fill up a lot of it being with your grandkids. I mean, that's the other thing, as you listeners know, we're, we're really working hard on grandparenting on our own grandparenting and on writing and speaking about it. And, and it's just such a, it's such an amazing thing to have the opportunity to be the patriarch or the matriarch. Those are weird words, but to be the you know, the trunk in the tree that connects your ancestors with your branches and your posterity and to, to really play that role deliberately, right? And so we've been thinking a lot about that. And um, Well, I think everybody's thinking about what's next in their life. And we've been also working with this wonderful woman named Kim Johnson, who um, has, has coined the word what's next, because everybody's wondering what's next in their life. You know, what, no matter what stage in life you are, 
if you can take a few minutes to think about it, and when you, your kids are all on top of each other, it's like, what next is getting through this day? But as you start looking back at your life or forward at well, your land life. Well, as your kids leave home and you're right, in different, right. different chemistry and so on. So it's going to be really fun to, uh, to think about this with her because what's next is really important. It really is. And, and uh, we're, doing this, we're doing a grandparenting, we're calling it Grandparenting 101. And it's going to be a web-based Zoom-type seminar that, that everyone can. As we get further on that, we'll let you know more about it. But let me just mention briefly what I've been writing here uh, during this little retreat we've been on is not, it's kind of pales by comparison to all the work you've been doing, honey. But I, but I am excited about it, and it does tie into what we're going to talk about today. And again, you longtime listeners know about the three-letter lessons. Um, we're just, we're trying to piece together these really small three-letter words that are really, really powerful. Um, and we've done five of them. We've done the word I, E-Y-E. We've done the word key, K-E-Y. We've done the word ask, A-S-K. We've done the word yet, Y-E-T. We've done the word slow, only without the W, S-L-O. And each of them in our minds now have come to mean a certain way of thinking or a certain paradigm or a certain attitude. And you can guess, people can guess what they are just by hearing them. Like yet is a powerful word. I'm not a great marriage partner yet. I'm not, I don't weigh what I'd like to weigh yet. I mean, it's just all, you, you, and I, I want to look people in the eye. I want to see the window to the soul. All these little words, which have layers and layers of meaning. And I'm trying to put them into a book that is, that is fairly simple for people to read. In fact, I'm, I'm just, and we're going to get into one, one of those words today. It's a, it's a word called, it's, it's a word called um, TAP, T-A-P. And we'll tell you why that's an important word to us and why it can be kind of a word peg. But let me give you kind of an idea of this. That tentatively, the title is Three-Letter Lessons. And the subtitle has a lot of alliteration in, which some of you know <laughs> I like. It's called, it says, Programming and Practicing Life-Shaping Personal Paradigms. Programming and Practicing Life-Shaping Personal Paradigms. Now, a paradigm, of course, is a worldview or how you see things, how, 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 you, how you look at things, your view of the world, your view of yourself. And the little lead paragraph that might give you kind of an idea of where we're going to go with this uh, says this, most of our decisions and actions are not particularly deliberate. Rather, what we choose and what we do usually springs from the circumstances and the people we find ourselves with and from the attitudes we subconsciously adopted years ago. In other words, we're programmed to being a certain kind of person and to change that kind of person, to improve it, to become better, we need to reprogram ourselves in a way. And, and we think these little three-letter lessons are sort of a way to to reprogram how we think about things and, and how we do things. And it all goes back, uh, that's the last thing I'll say in introduction, then we'll get into one of these three-letter words. But for me, it goes all the way back to high school 
when I was assigned in literature class, like a lot of you were to read Benjamin Franklin's autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) And what I was fascinated by as a, as a teenager was that Benjamin Franklin had certain character traits that he decided he wanted, and not only character traits, but just sort of practices or, or modes that he wanted to adopt. And he put them into words and he'd work on one each month. Remember, one was punctuality. He didn't want to be late anymore. So he worked on that for a whole month. And I think that's when you finally became punctual. Oh, <laughs> no, no, I didn't become punctual like, when I was 17 when I read that. Sort of punctual. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, I was fascinated with it. And, and I think these simple little word pigs can begin to reprogram. I, you know, we're both Linda and I are fascinated, correct me if I'm wrong, honey, about working from the inside out, right? Like, and so often we work from the outside in. Like we say, I want to be a better parent, so I've got to start changing my kids. Or I want to, you know, I want to get in better shape, so I've got to start, um, you know, going to the gym more. I mean, we need to start from the inside and say, I want to be a better parent, so I'm going to work on right. who I am, how I see things, how I view the world. We change from the inside out. And we're hoping this little book, if it ever becomes a book, you don't care. If you're listening to ours on the road, you'll you'll know the whole book before it ever comes out. But anything to add to that, honey? And then we'll get to our little three-letter lesson for today. Well, I think we should, uh, we've mentioned the, the word T-A-P. I think we should give them the, the break to think about what they think maybe T-A-P might be. Okay, good idea. What do you... What do you think T-A-P, what could that word tap? How could that little word be something that affected how you see the world? So think about that for a minute. I, I had, when you said that to me, I had different words in my mind. So let's see what comes up in your mind. And even though we can't talk, we'll talk about it. You, you thought it was turn on the tap and get a glass of water? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, so think about that for a minute. T-A-P, and we'll be back right after this message. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking the rest of the show about the three-letter word TAP, T-A-P. The three-letter lesson. And what's what we like about this one is it's both an acronym and a word. Uh, and so... Let me and break in on me, Linda, here, because I'm, I'm the one that's been thinking about this and writing about it, but I want your input because you're thinking about some of this for the first time. And the thing about Linda is she always, <laughs> how can I say this without sounding like I'm patronizing or like I'm being too self-critical? <laughs> Linda just gets things quicker than I do. Oh, Linda, yeah, Linda, for sure. Linda for intuitively sure. knows something, and I... I have to think about it and analyze it and try to figure it out. And then I do. And then she says, oh, I already knew that. I told you that already. <laughs> so well, going on. Okay. Going on. Okay. So, so first of all, the concept of tap is we have the ability as humans to tap in to other things that are bigger than we are. And so often we don't. So often we live our lives in kind of mental isolation. We just, we're stuck with what we know and with what we've learned and with what we are. 
and we fail to tap in to the collective intelligence of people around us and and to find out all we can from them and to learn from others and to tap in to what they know, and more importantly, to tap in to a spiritual presence. And again, this is not a, a religious or denominational podcast, but all of you know our faith is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but we try to say things that are not specific to our denomination, and I think this is a good example. Polls show that well over 90% of Americans believe in some form of higher intelligence, something that's higher than man, whether they call it God or whatever they may call it. That's a pretty big majority, <coughs> and, and, and most people, although I don't have polling information on this one, believe there's some way to tap into that some way to, to receive some kind of knowing or some kind of insight or some kind of feeling that didn't come from inside of you. It came from something bigger than you, something smarter than you, something beyond you. So the concept is to tap into that in whatever way you may have chosen to do that tapping. Maybe it's prayer, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's just you know, being open to your feelings and to your senses. So that's the overall concept. Comment on that. And then, and then I want to tell you why it's also an acronym, why it's a T, what the T means, what the A means, and what the P means. Well, to be honest, I comment on that is an interesting word because I just don't know how you come up with these things. Because um, I've got a weird brain. When we wake up in the morning, okay, okay, I think today we'll do tap, and this is it, this and that. Wait a minute, where? How did that? Where did that come? Well, from? I've been working on this. I know, know you've been thinking about it, but um, it really is kind of fun to um, just be tagging along on these. Well, again, you know, big long words like Benjamin Franklin had, and and complicated concepts may be useful in trying to shape your character and work from the inside out. But I just got this notion in my mind that a small word, a three-letter word, it can just lodge in your mind a little better. And, and when it becomes a concept to you, so you just say tap, and it means these things, and it reminds you to, you know, to, to orient yourself in that way, it can be really exciting. So Here's the acronym, and maybe you'll comment on each of these two, Linda. But the T, and I, we're going to, just for fun, I think this can apply across the board to people's lives. But in the interest of time, and because you know us, most of you who listen, as people who focus and prioritize and, and, and you know, kind of take aim at parenting and at families all the time, we are, you know, we're the people with the hammer in our hand and everything looks like a nail. The solution to everything to us is family and relationships and so on. So we're going to approach the, the TAP from that standpoint, but you, in your minds, as you listen, apply it to other things in your life. So, so in parenting, the T is, is, is it's, te it's tips, it's techniques, it's, it's tools. It's the things we need to learn because you need it, you know, you, you don't, you, no one gives you an owner's manual when you become a parent. There's no instruction guide. You have to figure it out. And, and the more deliberate you are in figuring it out, saying, 
what are the tools that work for me for getting my child to, to pay attention or for disciplining my child or for teaching my child to be more self-reliant or whatever your goals are as a parent, what are the tools you have? And, you know, you read parenting books or you talk to your friends or you try to come up with a strategy and that, and, and so the T, the tools, the techniques, those are things that turn you into more of an offense and less of a defense. You're not just reacting and saying, oh, I've got this problem with my child. What do I do? What do I do? You're, you're trying to say, well, my goal is to teach this child the following things and I've got these tools and I'm going to work on it. It's sort of the deliberate use of tools. And you, again, you could apply that to whatever you're working on in your life. The first thing you need is tools. And I totally agree with that. I think as a young mother, I remember just a floundering. We had so many, we had nine kids in 16 years and we had a whole bunch of little preschoolers all the time, it seemed like, and, and not a lot of help from older kids at first. And, and then the older kids came in, men, it got more complicated, but yes, they were also yeah. part of the solution rather than the, than the problem Middle as time went on. But I do remember thinking, okay, I need a tool to be, uh, more patient during the day because I often fly off the handle if there's too much confusion and chaos going on. Good example. So yeah. I just think, okay, this isn't going to be my tool. Um, I'm going to go to the, in the bathroom first thing in the morning, I'm going to lock the door because I know somebody's going to be banging on the door and I need <laughs> lunch money and I can't find my shoes and all that. So I'm just going to look in the mirror and say, I am going to be the calm center of the storm today. I know I'm walking into a hurricane. There's no doubt about it, but I am going to be the calm center of the storm. No matter what happens, I'm just going to hold it together. <laughs> so, you know, that helped for a certain amount of time, you know, at least it was in my mind that that's what, and, and I did handle some things better until the final, you know, house flew into me and, and the hurricane and I just uh, <laughs> lost it. But I do think it was a tool to think this is the way I'm going to be today. That little few moments in the bathroom, which is the only room you could find where you could be alone even momentarily, right. I think that's a great example of a tool. And not only because it helped you to face the hurricane of all those commotions, but also it, that's a great example of, of what this whole three-letter lessons is about. You sort of program yourself. You, you get it in your mind, not what you're going to do specifically, because you don't know what's going to happen that day, but how you're going what to you're be, yeah. how you're going to react, how you're going to feel. Our daughter Sadie calls it being a, an unmovable, a durable, object. A durable object or whatever. <laughs> so you, it's this, this idea of a tool. And there might be other tools like simple ways to do get kids to do things or simple patterns you do or traditions in your family. In other words, the, the whole idea of the T is, is in this whole tap concept is tools or techniques, having an offense, having a strategy kind of thing. Okay, so we don't run out of time. The A has to do with attitudes. And that's a little different because... You know, a tool is something you pull out of your tool bag when you need it and you try to figure it out. An attitude is sort of a way of adopting yourself to what's going to go on. And I, I, I'm just going to mention two. I think, and, and I feel so strongly about these, I really advocate these. The two attitudes that help parents most, I'm just convinced of this after 
not only our own experience and our children's experience, but all the thousands of people we have tried to listen to and talk to over the years in, in this whole parenting uh, concept. And, and one that, that they both are, you've heard us talk about them before, but think about them as the attitudes as part of this three-letter lesson. One is stewardship. You're not an owner. You don't own your children. You are a steward over them. You are a babysitter for them. God is their real parent. You are the steward. And that changes everything because now you respect them. They're your brother or your sister. They're just littler than you. They came to earth later than you. And it just changes how you look at your children. They're in, they're an entrustment. They, they have been given to you as a stewardship. And that just changes how you view everything in your family. And the second one is some of you are sick of this word because it's my favorite word, serendipity. You, if you have a serendipitous attitude, then you are a parent who doesn't think you can control everything. You don't think you can get up and, and say, I'm going to do these five things and these kids are going to do these six things. And you, Raising children is a constant set of surprise <laughs> and being serendipitous and, and being able to say, well, there's a teaching moment here or what's going on in this child's mind right now and, and responding to the child and the needs and the situation. By the way, it also is pretty powerful in marriage. And by the way, it's pretty powerful with adult children also. <laughs> right, right. I mean, right. because you have in mind that how you want things to go, you know, it never changes even when they're gone. You organize something and then somebody says, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And so on and so on. You have to learn to be flexible and think there's going to be, that is going to be a better way. Somehow we're going to make this make it. Be right. better than 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 the way we had planned it ourselves. And that just releases you from so much stress. That's the that's a great point. I mean, part of having these these three letter lessons in your mind, these word pegs, is they begin to take away stress because you've anticipated things and you've got sort of a an approach and a mindset that is more stable than if you were just running around yeah. being frustrated all the time. Or if you just have this focus on the way things are going to happen, you're like, okay, never mind. This will be better. We'll work it out. We'll work it out. We'll make this work. Exactly. It really is huge. So the third, the, the P is the most important, uh, T-A-P. The P is prayer. And again, you know, this is not a religious podcast, but... If 90% of us believe in some form of higher, higher being, what could be more logical and more natural and more obvious, if I can even go so far, as to say, we, you know, I'm a parent. I'm doing something I've never done before. I need help. And, you know, it's like the old saying, there's no atheists in foxholes. If you're in a war and you're about to be killed, you'll probably try to pray. Well, <laughs> if you're a parent, you probably feel like you're in a foxhole sometimes. <laughs> and, and you, you know, there's there, the most wonderful kind of prayer I can conceive of is a stewardship parent trying to take care of a spiritual brother yeah. or sister has been sent to him as a baby or her as a baby and saying, heavenly father, Heavenly parent, I'm this 
inexperienced earthly parent, please inspire me. Help me to understand who this child is, what he needs, what she is thinking, how I can help, how she or he or she learns, how I can get through to them. I just believe that that kind of prayer is always answered, not immediately and not in some simple quick fix, but that's the way to grow into something more than yourself. You need to be more than yourself to, to be a good parent. And again, that would apply to other things too, but right. we're using parenting as an example. Well, and when you said that to me uh, for the first time, this TAP, I thought for sure the P was patience. Well, I mean, that could be another good P. <laughs> you let's, probably all thought of things, different <laughs> words, and I thought of different words let's have another um, P as we do this. But it really, um, I mean, patience is one thing, but prayer is so much deeper. I mean, you can pray for patience, that's for sure. But there is a, a source there that will really help us to figure this out if we can just use our minds to meditate, calm our minds, and, and work it out with the prayer. So a quick summary, the, the word peg, the three-letter lesson, three lesson tap, overall means tapping into something higher, but specifically developing some tools working on attitudes that are that are less critical of yourself and more open to others and having this prayerful sort of pondering approach to life so good luck so, i think tap is I, we're going to work hard this week in our own minds we on, are. on the three-letter lesson of tap let's tap in and good luck and we'll hope to see you again next time on ours on the road bye-bye